All right, it's game week. Everybody's got me? A lot of excitement in the air, a lot of energy in the building. Um, has been leading up to this. Uh, I would just tell you we're in a much improved situation at, at, at a lot of positions um, than we were a year ago this time. Um, quarterback being the main focal point during camp. We all know that. You've been asking. Everybody's wanting to know. Can't go anywhere. People want to know who the starting quarterback is. I get that. And, uh, but I'll tell you this. I've been highly impressed by the improvement and the competition at this position. And I think it's uh, the growth in one year from John Stephen Jones that he's shown us and has shown his teammates um, is, is in, in the track that he's on uh, to having an incredible career here. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, his athleticism, as we've all seen, we all knew that coming in, and his playmaking ability um, is well ahead of where we thought he would be as a true freshman coming in here in just a short uh, three weeks of camp. Um, so his starting point was definitely uh, much higher, and his growth uh, through camp uh, has shown great promise. Um, everything's earned in this program. Nothing's given. And Ben has earned the right to start and will be our starter week one uh, going into Portland State, Ben Hicks. Uh, the competition between Ben and Nick uh, has been impressive, to say the least, over three weeks. Uh, Nick has done a great job and has picked up the offense uh, in a few short weeks um, and has an incredible skill set. And we're excited to watch his continued growth and knowledge uh, of this offense and the understanding of the, uh, this offense um, in weeks to come. Um, but we feel very confident in Ben and um, in his complete overall knowledge, as you would expect. Ben has been in this offense for three years. All right, there it is. Coach Chad Morris naming Ben Hicks the starter. joined yet again but this time it is game week with steve what's up man what's going on bud it's game week i'm ready hey. to see some pads popping man I'm, I'm about ready for them to start hitting somebody other than each other i'm about ready for the fans to have something to have a meltdown over other than things they know nothing about yeah i mean they're still gonna have meltdowns over stuff they know nothing about but at least they'll have some tv to watch to, to throw a fit about yep yep so we just heard from coach chad morris on his press conference yesterday um being monday morning and uh, what do you think? I mean, he talked about uh, KJ, talked about Nick. Um, of course, everybody knows he, he named uh, Ben Hicks quarterback one going into Portland State. I mean, you even say that with like a lower inflection, like you're just like tis disappointed I in the decision. Just, I, I mean, I'm not disappointed, but I, I you know, Starkle had the, it, it, to me, Starkle had the better camp from what everybody was saying. I don't, I don't know that he had the better camp. I mean, if you listen to a lot of what they said, he made several bad decisions, and I think he led camp in turnovers so I mean I know he threw an interception today in practice I haven't heard anything about Hicks at least in the first 20 um so but that's kind of my point so you ask me what I think man so we just had this conversation like a week ago about yep. open practices closed practices and and and, and uh, we've got a segment coming up that everybody's gonna like <laughs> so I mean my my I guess my problem here is there must be a lot of fans that had access to practice during fall camp because, man, there's a lot of fans who think Ben Hicks is just, like, terrible or something. I, I contend that if Ben Hicks didn't have the name SMU in front of him last year and if it was 
Iowa, Iowa State, I don't care, any Power 5 team, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. No. I think no, people we would be like, yeah, okay, let's see how this goes. Instead, people are like, oh, it's the coaches, buddy. It's this, it's that. They're coming up with every friggin' excuse in the book to hate this decision when I, it was funny. Okay, so before I got here, I got in a little debate with a guy on Twitter. Imagine that, right? And so that's not surprising, not at all. No, not me. So this dude's like, he's like, because I, I responded, I said, no one's seen film of these guys. We've all seen, no one's seen these guys play. You know, this dude responds and says, well, we have three years of film on, on, uh, on Hicks and, and we've got film on, on Starkle. 99.999999% of this fan base has not watched one second of film on any football player on the hill. Mm, yeah, well, 99, come on. Yeah, I Come mean, on. they think they've seen game film. They think they've watched a game or two here and there, but none of this fan base was watching SMU play last year. I know I didn't. I, and, I'll this, be the, and I'll be the first to admit that. I, no, I wasn't the one. We sucked really bad and weren't much fun to watch. I didn't go watch SMU. No. I didn't watch A&M last year other than the couple of games that popped up. I didn't watch A&M the year before that when Starkle actually played. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I have no true opinion other than, hey, I wanted Starkle. I did. I think he's the more talented guy. I think he's the guy that will eventually be the leader of this program this year. But if Chad Morris comes out and says he thinks that Ben Hicks is the guy that get him up and down the field in game one, whether it's drive one of game one, half of game one, or the entire game one, I don't really give a crap. If we win and we do the thing we're supposed to do, then leave it alone because we'll have plenty to gripe about after that game, I'm sure. You think we'll see more? You'll think, I mean, you, you and I both agree we'll see more than just one quarterback. Oh, no, yeah. You asked, So you posed – well, we posed a question on our Facebook page. We did, and I'm getting to it. Okay, so I figured you'd which, get me with that because my wait, number was which, a little surprising. Which, which – the, the total yards? Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't just bounce back right back at me. Like, what are you, I, what are you I was kind of in shock when you posted that number. Well, I was like, okay. Well, but, I mean, you've seen some of the outrageous numbers on there, though. I have, yeah. Which is, which is to be understood. I mean, the opponent, we should be able to put up a ton. Sorry, well, there's some silence. I had to burp. I didn't think you wanted to hear that. Yeah, we're having – we're, we're allergies are kicking our butts today. <laughs> yeah, no so we posted, um, we posted early this morning. Of course, we gave everybody 24 hours to kind of soak it in and get, you know, get used to it. So we posted a question on our Facebook page, which you can find on Facebook at Natural State Sports. Of course, on Instagram, Natural State Sports. All you got to do is type in your search bar some in any of these. Scores or something in there. Um, yeah, there's some underscores in there somewhere. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't be remiss before we get to the question. I wouldn't be remiss about mentioning our sponsor, Mountain Valley Spring Water. Since 1871, they've been a staple here in Arkansas. So, and I'm kind of addicted to their water. I mean, they I've never really tasted good water. I've never tasted anything so it's more, more smooth than that. And I'm good stuff. You know, uh, everybody keeps saying water is water. No, it is not. No, no, there's a big difference in water. So, uh, drink that sink water. Over make there, sure if you're ever in the Hot Springs, Arkansas area. Go get you a bottle of Mountain Valley Spring Water or anywhere. You can order it. Guys in the NFL are ordering. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, back to our question. It was, how many yards will Ben Hicks have versus Portland State? And I'm not going to name any names. But we got a lot of reaction out of it. Um, 36 reactions, but 50, about 56, 57 comments. That's pretty good. Um, some of them were, were me tagging you and things like that. So, <laughs> um, 
Let's see if I can get this pulled up here. By the way, we are rolling solo tonight. No producer, no wife. I am no running women. boards tonight, and I'm pretty sure he is somewhere freaking out Will, about the audio he's going to get back on this. Will is losing his, his mind right now. So, okay, um, should I name names or no? I mean, I did last week, even though I wasn't supposed <clears> to. Or- so, Quentin Williams says uh, 350 yards by the second quarter. Craig Grage, and if I – I'm going to butcher some of these names, so I apologize in advance – um, he is one of our top fans, says 167 yards and two picks. He probably won't play the whole game, so we won't have to hear near as much as everyone thinks. Um, I like Garrett Coleman's comment. Have you seen that one? It says, as many as it takes. Yeah, they, well, um, hey, if it takes 10, then that's what we get. Um, Stanley Westbrook says, I would rather see a good rushing attack. The passing, uh, so come, the passing game comes with the rushing game. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, our producer Will says that's a discussion for another day. Um, Michael James says two interceptions against this small city college. Anthony Cameron comes back and says, Michael, you do realize they have 17 starters back and a tight end that's going to get drafted, right? Normally four and seven football team. Well, they've won three games in five years. They gave up 75 points in their last game to Eastern Washington. Ooh. I'm scared. I'm, I may have to. I may have I'm to scared. adjust my score a little bit. I'm really scared. You think we could lay seventy on them? I don't know. If we'll lay seventy on them. I don't think we'll want to. But I think you think you think you'll put us yeah, take us foot I'll off gas. You, I'll give you. I'll give you a score prediction before we're done. Oh yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to get it. Um, he's he, Anthony Cameron goes on and says normally that would not matter against an SEC school, but seventy five percent of the Hogs roster are freshmen, sophomores, or walk ons coming off the worst season in program history. Um, Jerry Goodnight says, um, how about this? Let's just win big. Uh, everybody says you got a 289, a 200. Uh, Lance Lark- Larkin says 327. Uh, Cherokee Flan says 310. Ross Robinson's going out on a limb and going 400 yards. I like George O'Neill with his 14 picks, three completions. I was just getting there. And, and the thing is, everybody keeps saying that, uh, um, and, of course, you can check out more of the, the predictions on our Facebook page, Natural State Sports. Um, everybody keeps saying pick six Hicks. The problem with George O'Neill, what if he's right? Hey, and he could be. But, again, we don't know. And I mean, realistically speaking, we don't want to have four interceptions or 14 interceptions to three touchdowns he, or he, for two, well, to three completions. Uh, number one, if Chad Morris leaves him in long enough to get 14 interceptions, then Chad Morris won't have a job on yeah. Monday. That, that's just the simple truth of it. So I mean I know it was made jokingly, but at the at the end of the day, I mean, if pick six Hicks makes an makes an appearance on Saturday, I don't think Chad Moore sticks with him, so I don't think it matters. So so here's here's my issue with here's my issue with it. I think to an extent is so you you name the starter, that's fine. I mean I get it. We that that's the guy that they're rolling with, but I think we all know that there's still a competition going on right now. I don't think you're going to see much until Ole Miss. Well, no, and I mean, you're not going to see a whole lot. You're going to see a whole lot of the offense. Well, I mean, I even still, I that depth chart's going to change from game one to game two. So that's kind of my point, too. So think about it. The, the consensus of everyone we've talked to over the last month has been six and six, five and seven, six and six, maybe seven and five. Anywhere from four to seven wins is the consensus. Which is not a bad consensus. If it's you not, think and I'm it. not saying it's a bad consensus. My thing is, though, we're choosing between two quarterbacks. Now, you want me, you, you want to believe that the guy they named today is going to be the, sto- the starter at the end of the year on a team that goes potentially six and six? That's the best we're kind of looking at. 
and you're telling me that the guy named starter today is going to be the guy that starts the last game against Missouri? I don't believe it. So I don't even know why we're getting so up in arms about it. Well, okay. So the reason, and, and this is just me coming from a, fan, a fan's perspective. You know, that's how we that's how we roll here at Natural State. That's right. And that's so, all we are as fans. <clears throat> and that's all we are. I mean, yeah. we don't know anything more than what than what the next guy knows. We just get to talk about it and hope you want to listen to it. Yeah, right? I mean, that's it. Right? So hopefully you agree um, with us. If not, call in one of these days. Maybe we'll offer yes. that. That's, um, we're, well, we're not, we're not offering it on the podcast, yeah, but no. we are on the live show next week. Oh, boy. So, uh, oh, Will, boy. better get ready. Oh, man. I might, I might sit in the background and listen to that one. Hey, you're always welcome <laughs> on the live show, buddy. We could use the third co-host. Um, here's, here's, and, and, and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on this point. You're coming off a 2-10 season where every week, every week, we didn't know who the starter was until they took the field. There was a lot of uncertainty. And I saw this on Twitter. There was a lot of uncertainty within this organization last year. Right. Do I think that you're putting a lot of faith in Hicks to get us to 6-6? Six and six? Not really. I mean, if he's the guy for the job, he's the guy for the job. But if put to go 6-6, six and six, and if that's the best we can do this year, Shoot, I'll take it. Yeah, no, I'd take it too. You my, know, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not being negative about that. My oh, point, I know. My point is, there are three, potentially four capable quarterbacks on that roster right mm-hmm. now. Whereas a year ago, there was not three. There was, there was there may, there, really, there was none. I mean, Connor Nolan was your best option last year, and, and he's a baseball player. So, I mean, and he's a damn good one, too. Yeah, we'll get into that a lot later, too. But so, I mean, so your best player last year is not even in the quarterback room anymore. You know, the other guys have left. So, John Stephen Jones is really the only returner from last year. He got a little bit of mock-up. And, mock and if, you, if you listen to the press conferences throughout fall camp, he was the most consistent. Yeah, it's size and, and, and arm strength with him. That's going to be your two big problems, So, which is fine. But so, so, the fact is, you're coming off 6-6. Six and six. You have K.J. Jefferson, who is what many feels the future. And then yeah. you've got Starkle, who's a two-year guy. So, realistically, you get four or five games into this, maybe one or two. I mean, again, so, so my prediction – when you asked me yardage was... Well, don't give me yet. Don't give it okay. to me yet. So so my prediction was based off of that, though. I don't believe that this... You know, I think that this will be... I don't think we're going to have a revolving door at, a, at quarterback. What I think is going to happen is Hicks, starting today, or starting on Saturday in week one, he... I don't know what his leash is going to be, but I don't know that we can sit here and truthfully say that we will confidently feel like Hicks is the starter in week four. So I don't understand why we're getting so worked up over a Portland State game that's n- nothing more than just a, a glorified scrimmage. I mean, I know it counts for 1-0 if we get there, but... Somebody told me today, either I listened to it or somebody told me or something, that just because he was named QB1 doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Well, that's absolutely correct. You know? And the he could be, he could be, much. Yeah, and he could be pulled the first series and Sarkle could start. Absolutely. I mean, if he comes out and throws an interception or... Look, just looks absolutely terrible. He he will get pulled. That's the, that's. I the really thing. I really do think we're going to see all four quarterbacks, at least for a little bit on Saturday. You'll see all four. I think it'll actually be. I think the more realistic would be, of course, you know Hicks, Starkle, KJ, and then you're going to see you're going to see John Stevens in there late. Mm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna flip the last two. Yeah, and I can see the last two going either way. But um, um, it I mean. Be excited! It's game week. That's what I'm talking. I mean, yeah, that's no my kidding. thing. Like we I, again, I, I, we're, we're everybody's in. so up in arms about the the depth chart. And, oh my god! Is, do they not realize the depth chart changes from week to week? Hey, you know what? I'm excited about the depth chart. Did you see those wide receivers? 
Man, Man. I'm going to tell you right now. Like, I know we're all worried about the quarterback position, but, I mean, Cole Kelly could have probably thrown for 250, 300 against the, with these wide receivers last year just yeah. throwing the ball up like yeah. he did. Just know? honking it up. I mean, but we have to be thankful for the fact we've got a solid receiving core. we got a solid running back group. It's looking like we've got a solid uh, quarterback. Yeah, we got running back. Solid. I mean, running back, wide receiver, quarterback. But it all comes down to that offensive line. Yeah, it does. But I have, I, from what I've seen, I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right this week. <laughs> Next week's going to be the. But, but I mean, um, we're not Georgia Vandy playing this week, right? So you're not jumping head first into conference play. Yeah, but you are next week. You have a little bit of time to test some things out. Move players around. By next week, we could surprise and turn some heads. I mean, look, look at it this way. We're not Florida. Yeah. Did you see that game on Saturday? I did. I didn't get to watch the whole oh. thing. I had, I had a few bucks so, on it. So, I was driving back from Fayetteville. We had their, they had their annual 2019 fan day. Right. Got to meet Coach Morris and all the players. Got to talk to a couple of them. That's where that beautiful thing came from. Beautiful. Um. And that is going on my desk. It's a signed Razorback football for those of you that yeah, that, we're uh, on radio, not yeah, TV, we're, so we're not. We're, we, we can't we can't take selfies with it like we do on a live show. It's probably a good thing because they'd see my Frito pie up here. I mean, you made me hungry with that thing. We're gonna regret that decision here before long. Yeah, you are. Some we're jalapenos, gonna... <laughs> and some onions. Ooh, the chili. That was some good stuff. But you know, I was listening. I'm, I've got that that UVerse app where you can watch TV anywhere. Right. And uh, no, I was not driving and watching TV. For those of you that were asked, were wondering that. I watched um, part of it on the way to Fayetteville <laughs> on an iPad. Yeah, well, yeah, that's all I had to watch it on my iPhone. I, I was, I mean, I didn't watch it. I listened. I promise. Um, and that set back college football from a hundred years. Yeah, I, I, I heard I, it, it was, was rough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, Dan Mullen is a good coach. What is going on? Miami, I can understand. Tate Mortel, I can understand. But here's where everybody in Florida was losing their mind. Urban Meyer showed up wearing a Florida Gators polo. Uh, whatever. Ur- and they were flipping out about it. Yeah, well, maybe he's down there looking for new murderers to bring to where or his next stop he's, is. He's trying to suck up to the AD. Can I have my old job back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because if Mullen keeps putting stuff like that out, he ain't going to be there much longer. I, and, and, you know, we, we had talked about in episode one. About the rankings. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. I said from the beginning. How? Maybe I, that'll be better later, but Frank's is not the answer. No. Um, I, I don't know. There, Mullen gets a lot. He gets a lot of love and a lot of pub for a guy whose best year was like nine wins. We're going to jump head first into Fan Day Reaction and Miami, Florida. Coming up on Inside the Natural State with Zach and Steve. We the people stand tall, equal, and free in pursuit of happiness and premium American spring water, mineral rich, revitalizing goodness with a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity and 7.8 pH bottled in glass to oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of we, 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 the people, the Mountain Valley spring water back to the source. Back again and inside the natural state with Zach and Steve. Hey, hey, hey. So we were talking about the depth chart. And what are what are some of the other surprises that you 
I don't know. There's really any surprises. I mean, um, who's the the Chibuzi, the other JUCO lineman that uh, he's not even on the two deep, which is kind of yeah. What happened that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, he was the lower rated of the two guys they brought in of those two big JUCOs. So um, let me see if I can pull that up real quick while we're here. Chibuzi, I got it right here in front of me. Who are the, who are the two in front of him? Uh, well, right now it would be who's starting in that spot. Caps, you got Caps and oh, Clinton, yeah. um, Jackson at the other side. Uh, Myron Cunningham's your right guard. Ty Clary's your. That'll center. be a good one to watch. Myron Cunningham. Cunningham. Well, I watched his. I watched his high school career, and he is a beast. Hey, I'm excited for for uh, Ricky Stromberg. I think he's probably your sixth best lineman right now. That's going to be a hidden talent. That kid's got a mean streak. He's going to hurt yeah. some folks. So I mean, really, the depth chart. I say it's really overly surprising. Um, Hayden Henry starting Sam linebacker. Always yeah. thought he was a little undersized, but. Hey, you know I got talking to him and um, Grant Morgan. He doesn't lack for confidence on Saturday during Fan Day, and uh, both of them ready to go. You know they're and every single one of those guys are so tired of hitting each other. They're ready to get oh, out yeah. there and just hit something, somebody else. Right? Yeah, and because that's the problem with practice and scrimmages. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I have a great idea. Go ahead. But when you have, I mean, when you're practicing against each other. You know what you know what the next guy's gonna do. You can anticipate how they're gonna move. You go out and hit somebody else. You don't know what they're gonna do. You don't yeah. know what their plan is. Well, and at that point, that's when we learn what kind of technique and what exactly. they've learned. Exactly. Because that's when technique becomes. It's when it matters. It's so just because he may not be on the two deep depth chart this week doesn't mean he ain't gonna be on there come week eight, week nine. That's true. So so we we've been talking a little bit about fan reactions and, and the stupidity and all of that. The ridiculousness of yeah. Razorback Twitter. Yeah. So I'm not going there yet, but one thing I just thought about it just kinda of light bulb hit my head. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, oh, I, I don't want to lose this thought. I, I saw it from across the table. I was but like, oh. Me, okay, so, so so I've noticed and Okay, first off, Razorback Twitter, fans out there, those of you who listen to this, just we, stop. Yeah. Just stop. We love you guys, we love your opinions, but some of you guys d- 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 Look, when players have to defend their teammates on Twitter because of the stupidity that you did, and again, look, the players probably ought not worry too much about what a bunch of us have to say because we really don't know what they go through every day at all. Unless you've been a college athlete, you have no idea what they're going through every day. But here's an idea. You want to run your mouth? You want to act like you know what's going on on the hill? When those players at the end of fall or spring or summer are tired of hitting each other, you go strap on some pads and stand on the 50-yard line and let a player hit you. Nope, there's your access I'm, There's your access to practice, and you can say whatever the hell you want. I'm good. I'd, I'd like to stay on planet Earth. But that's I've seen the, Look, I've seen how some of these guys hit and how angry they can get when they hit. I don't uh-uh. Look, Hayden Henry had to go on freaking Instagram and, and take up for Ben Hicks and these idiots. And people actually had the nerve to come back at Hayden Henry and be like, well, you know what? If you guys would win, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, they would. What the hell kind of fan is that? That's like, the thing. That's and 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 you and I sat through that season last year. Yeah, it was painful. It was painful watching us collapse against Ole Miss, watching us collapse against Colorado State, watching us collapse against North Texas, and then finally the wheels coming off against Missouri. Yeah, it, but I don't. It, it was it was tough. And and yeah, there were there were moments where you wanted to scream, holler, and throw. Crap at the TV. Yeah, don't cuss. We I can't. We got to cut back. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I did the same thing. I, I did the exact same thing. But you had to realize what actually was going on Yeah. up on that hill. 
And see, I think what people fail to realize as you come into this season is you're not going to have that. Like this season's these players are going to want to they're going to there's there's a pride factor. So and there's I, a lot of and and going back on on I got an opportunity to talk to all of them that were out there. Right. And uh I mean it was brief, you know, 2 or 3 yeah. minutes. But you can judge a lot from a person in the first couple of minutes of talking to them. Oh yeah. There's a lot of leadership on this team. There a is. lot. Yeah. I didn't see that last year when I went to Fan Day. Well, there wasn't any because, and I, I won't say I there wasn't. There was, there was, there was, there were sparks, but it was there was a lot of confusion. There, well, and that's to be expected when you have a coaching change. <laughs> but I think one other thing that's kind of important to think about too, though, is that you didn't have leaders because you really just had a bunch of guys a in transition, yeah, and and b you had a bunch of guys who I don't want to say they didn't care. But it was easy for them at times because this wasn't the coach that brought them in. This wasn't the guy they wanted to play for. And who the heck was going to take their spot because there was no one behind them better than them. And I wanted to highlight one player, okay, that has exemplified the – we'd give him um, – um, what's the new award that they've got? The Datwood or whatever, the oh, Wood. yeah. Or uh, the Broyles Award or the, right. the Broyles Razorback Award. You're right. Um, Audrey Horn would probably be my, my guess. He's 64, um, um, offensive lineman. I think he's a sophomore this year, a red shirt sophomore. That sounds right. I'm not sure though, but he, he got recruited under Bielema. All right. Went through all that turmoil. Um, ended up getting injured somehow during the spring, I think. Um, you know, has done everything this coaching staff has asked and has still got the heart of an Arkansas Razor back. I mean, he if if anybody exemplifies the, the, the amount of, of, of pressure that these kids are under, that kid right there takes the cake. Yeah. Okay? He's been under four or five different offensive line coaches since he's been there in just a short amount of time. Well, and that's something else people don't think about is the amount of transition in the coaching staff. Yeah. These kids have been there for longer than a year or two. And, of course, I'm really good friends with him. I'm really good friends with his, with his parents. I'm not giving that to him because of that. I'm giving that to him because he aren't he deserves it. If that were if that were my choice. Right. You know, fan, fan choice or whatever. Right. But, I mean, you didn't see anybody step up last year. Right. But I don't think you had people – yeah, I don't think you had a lot of players – you had long, young players that were probably more in a position to lead than you did older players. But, right. I mean, again, new staff. And I think that there was a lot of that said, if you remember when they brought this, a lot of what was said about this core group, this recruiting class, these freshmen that are on campus, was how much different they are and how um, and how they were they, – they, they made it an open, which if you remember last year, it, it pissed off a lot of the, uh, the the current guys when they started talking about the new Arkansas, yeah, and the culture change that these freshmen were wanting to bring in, and the new, you know, and the, and the older the older guys there were like, "What's well, all?" You know, they were mad. They they were throwing a fit oh, on God, Twitter. They were pissed, you know. And and I think there was at one point there was a joking comment, or maybe it wasn't joking, that came out from one of the players on social media, <laughs> telling them to take a step back or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly, but um, so I mean. You saw that. That was something the coaches made and mention of, of how excited they were about these new kids. Because, again, you bring new blood in. You bring guys that have – they they have something to prove. Yeah. Those kids that were there, some of those guys that were there last year, they didn't have anything left to prove. You know, I mean, outside of, you know, a few guys who went to the next level, 
no one really had a whole lot to prove. They were they were fairly done with it. Well, I mean, when you look at it objectively, and I say objectively loosely, but I mean, why would you not change the culture? I mean, you're going from a coach from public view, okay, that really didn't discipline his players, right? Okay, and was lazy. Well, I mean, I can't say I can't say lazy. I'll say it because. You look at the recruiting and you look at the product on the field. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I'll say I'll, I'm probably going to get catch backlash, from, but I'll say I'll say it. I'll I'm say not calling it. any of the players lazy. I'm calling. But you have you have a you have a, this coach come in and strips every amount of Razorback off of everybody, mm-hmm. even themselves, everybody, mm-hmm. and even Coach Moore said this. You know, everybody thought he was going to walk in in his Nike apparel and his hawk. No. Every single person from the head coach all the way down to the walk-ons, the equipment managers, the water people. Politically correct. Well, I'm I playing it safe. <laughs> I am. Hey, it's 2019. I am playing it safe. Yes, don't worry. We'll never get to politics here. But everybody on that staff, the assistants, the assistants of the assistants, everybody, there was not an ounce of Razorback in them. Right. On them, at, not even during class. And they had to earn it. They had to earn it. That's right. That's what I like about Coach Morris and this staff. Every And he even said, he says at every press conference up until the first game, everything in this program is earned. That's right. Everything. Including the starting quarterback position. You're never going to let me live. I, see, I'm uncertain about it. That's my only thing is I'm uncertain about I'm, it. I think we're all uncertain about it. And as everyone should be uncertain about it. I don't have a problem with – I don't think there's an issue with anyone being uncertain about what it's going to be because we sucked last year. These two guys are new. We know nothing about them. Again, 99.9% okay. of the fan base knows nothing about either one of these guys other than what we've been told and what little bit we've watched of them. So let me ask you this. All right. Let me ask you this. We went 2-10 and 10 last year. If we go 3-9, and nine, is that an improvement? No. 4-8? Four and, four and eight? No. What would be what would what would be considered an improvement to this fan base where they go, okay, his system is working. Coach Morris knows what he's doing. I think okay, two two uh-huh. twofold See? of that. No, 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 twofold of that, because I think that that's a question that I and we can cover it too. So I'll answer the season one and then I'll pose the question too, because I think it's important for game one when we start doing predictions. So what what would be considered an improvement? To me, if we're talking season long. Wins and losses are important in that four of those games are against teams that we have no business losing to. So anything less than four is a disaster in my – or anything four or less, anything less than five is a disaster to me in my opinion. Maybe not a disaster, but it's not good because – Even if we go four because we doubled our win total? No, I'm not – no, because, again, it's four really terrible non-conference games. Remember, we're on a waiver – this year from the SEC. The new rule from the SEC stated that you have to play a Power 5 program every year. One Power 5 out of your four, one team out of your out of your four non-conference. Thank you, Jeff Long. Have to, has to be a Power 5, <laughs> yeah. Well, so this, this year we have, and last year, we had the waiver because of the Michigan deal with Michigan backing out. Well, and then we see we had that, and then Michigan backed out in the right. 11th so hour. That, but that's why we have the waiver to, to have basically an extremely soft schedule last year and again this year. So, yeah, 
I say soft. I mean, we got to play the SEC, so there's eight games right there that we know won't be soft, quote-unquote. Yeah, right. But you've got four games that you don't play a Power 5 opponent other than SEC. So those four games should be wins. So, yeah, it's a double. You're winning twice as many games as you did last year, but I don't think that is an – I don't think that's enough of an improvement. I think you have to win an SEC game. But more importantly to that, this team has to show fight. This team has to show – Discipline. I want to see a team that actually cares to put a Razorback uniform and helmet on and walk out there in, 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 in that stadium and play for the state. That, that's what's a win to me. Now, I think if they play like that, they play with that passion, and we avoid major injuries, then, then five wins should be the basement for this team this year. I can see that. Uh, yeah, I, I can. So, I mean – I just there was somebody on uh, local sports radio. We won't name the station. Um, we have to play nice. Uh, he gets on there and and he goes, ah, we'll go nine and three. I want some of what he's smoking. There's no, I won't say there's no way we go nine and three because you never know what happens. But the anybody that anybody that believes this this team will go will win more than eight games is is setting themselves up for an extremely disappointing season. I don't think because eight games is eight games is there's a path to eight games, but this team is coming off of two extremely terrible seasons. And again, there's, there's a lot of youth as we saw from the depth chart that come out. There's a lot of freshmen that are going to be counted on. And again, I think the quarterback position will be in flux for probably three or four weeks to start this season, unless Starkle just, or well, Starkle or Hicks, right. one or the other, just take the reins and run away with it in these first two games. When we come back, I'm going to throw some numbers at Steve, and we're going to continue this uh, improvement talk with the Arkansas Razorback football team. Hey, boy. When we come back, there is no hutch, there is no hoggets on Inside the Natural State. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. It is a party because we're all by ourselves in here, man. We have no chaperones. We can do whatever we want. So, last segment. Okay. We were talking about improvement. So, uh, during a break, I pulled pulled some stats. And Danny Ford, and and I did this since we've been in the SEC. I got all except for the, the, how do I put the 2012 season with John L. Smith? Just smile. I don't. I don't want to smile during that season. Well, um, you really want narcissism. I, I, the state of Alabama season. Threw up a little in my mouth saying that. Um, uh, <laughs> but I, I pulled their first and second seasons just so we can see if there was any trend in the head coaches. Their first season versus their second season. Okay. Because you know they they say that the biggest improvement comes between year one and year two. Okay. So ninety three ninety four was Danny Ford's first first and second year. He went six four and one his first year. He went four and seven the next year. Okay. So he kind of, but you have to look at the talent level of those teams. Or do you not? I mean, what do you think? Well, that's what I was going to look at. I'm, you keep going. I'm, I'm going to pull up. I just thought about something. So I'm, I'm, I'm Is that what there was so much smoke over there for? Ah, yeah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, um, of course, Houston Nut, we all know um, the, the famous, famous coach, 98, 99, nine and three, six and two was his first year, eight and four, four and four in conference um, was his second year. And then, of course, the biker and the blonde. I mean, the uh, Bobby Petrino, yeah. five and seven, two and six, his first year in oh uh, eight oh nine, and he went eight and five, three and five the the next year. Uh, and of course, John L. Smith, four and eight, 
two and six in 2012, 2013, 2014, three and nine, oh and eight for Bielema year one, and then seven and six, two and six was the best he could muster uh, moving forward. And then, of course, Chad Morris, two and ten, oh and eight in the SEC. <sighs> if anything. I think anybody at this point is going to take if, if we get more win more W's in the win in, in that column, then that's an improvement. It's an improvement in numbers. I get that, but I don't think. But with this talent level that he's got now, that, that's the thing though. This talent level is good enough to be a bare minimum four win team. So when when you look at it again, there were there were two losses that were unacceptable last year. When you think about the North Texas and Colorado State games, those were two games that you should. Well, I'll lose. even add. I'll even add two. Uh, Two SEC schools on that one. Well, no, I, yeah, or three. Right, there was a couple of SEC Ole Miss, games. Well, I mean, think about it. Ole Miss and A and M were the top two that, that stick out in my yeah, mind. Yeah, and you had Ole Miss beat without all the injuries and and, and the things yeah. that happened in that game. So, so again, you could have had, you could have easily been a six win team last year. You, you could have been a seven win team potentially last year. Mm, that's so, kind of pushing it. I mean, again, if there's three SEC games in there that you go, hmm, yeah, we might have had a shot here or there. So. There was at least two. So you, you could have been a six-win team last year. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. You had, you had four games that – I mean, again, the North Texas game wasn't close, so I'm not saying that was it could have been a win. That was – But I don't know what happened in that game. I don't know if Coach Morris and the guys bit off more than they can chew and just overlooked it. I, we'll never – and the thing is, we'll never know. No, we won't. And, and I mean – and that's fine. Again, that's the reason it's why it's a we, learning experience. Well, that's the reason why we don't need to know everything going on within the program. Do we play them again anyway? No, it was no. a one-off. Yeah, I don't think we get them again because I mean the schedules are being set, and North Texas not been one of them for that I've heard of. Now they may be on there and I don't know about it. Um, I'm trying to pull this up here real quick because I, I saw something. you're cooking something over that, that. Well, I can't go back far enough to look at exactly what I'm gonna look for. But this was something. So you brought up those those uh, the, the the records and right. the differences. So look back at Belamas because I think it's interesting. I think that when you look at Belamas first year, mm-hmm. and, and, and admittedly, so the John L. Smith year, the void year we want to call it, the smile yeah. year, whatever, was ugly and it hurt recruiting. Okay, Belama comes in here, takes over the, the the reins and goes what three and nine, right? Yeah, he goes uh, SEC. Uh, he goes three and nine, oh and eight in the SEC. Okay, and then year two, <coughs> he went what? Where were we? Year, year two, two, he went seven and six, two and six, and I think that was the year that we blanked uh, LSU and Ole Miss back to back. That's correct. So think about this though. Okay, so from year one, which was a bad year, probably at right. the time the worst year, in, one of the worst years in school history. Yep. The year between that, and I'm going to look at the numbers, I think that was Bielema's best recruiting class, was the year from 3-9. and nine. He may have had one right after that. It was a little better. But the year after 3-9, and nine, going into that, new, that next season where they, where they made the jump. The interesting thing to me is when you look at the schedule. So this year – Lay it on me, big fella. What do you got? So this year, obviously, we, we open with Portland State a cupcake. Are they really a cupcake, though? I mean, we call them – well, four and seven. I, I get that. Four and seven. Eastern Illinois 75 was a, points. Yeah, seventy five. We still <laughs> scored fifty against Eastern Illinois. Yeah. So, but look at how the rest of the season went. But it's still a cupcake. This is a cupcake. We should Colorado eat on State or Texas were supposed to be cupcakes. We should be on a massive sugar high by the end by six ish on Saturday. You saying we should have diabetes? Yes, we should have diabetes by six <laughs> o'clock on Saturday. That's just the way it should be. So, so in in the, so in Bielema's <coughs> second year. They opened at number six Auburn. 
I forgot about that, that that was the first game. Got beat by 24. Okay. Okay. So, number six, Auburn. You lose by 24. Yeah. You know, okay. No, All right. I'll take it. Game two, Nickel State. On par, FCS program. Yeah. On par with what we're going to see on Saturday. Right. Three and nine. We're coming from two and ten. They beat Nickel State 73 to seven. Now, I don't know how Nickel State compares to Portland State, but I would assume that the two programs, yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood when you're talking about a team that was like 0 and something and now 4 and 7 to coming into this year. Yeah, I can I can see that. Their third game of the year. So, our second game of you the year. You might be onto something here. Our second game of the year this year is on the road. Old right. West. Which you're going to be at. That is the plan. At Texas Tech. They went on the road. In they, Lubbock. And they won 49-28. That was the year that everything th- started between Bielema and Kingsbury. That was the big, the big ordeal, their little fight that started. Their little pissing fight. Then you play Northern Illinois. Another, what we would consider somewhat cupcake. And at that point, Northern Illinois was coming off of a, several really good seasons. That's yeah, they, were, they, they, come off a, a, they came off a really good bowl win the previous season. That's when they had that little quarterback. That was when I played fantasy football for college, and that kid was awesome. I can't remember his name. But anyway, we handled them 52-14. to 14. We then played Texas A&M down in Jerry's world. Got manhandled by them. But not, no, that was the overtime game. That was the game that we led. We should have won that game and came back. They, oh, they came back in the fourth yeah, when overtime we lost. In, yeah, that was the one where we collapsed again. Mm-hmm. The very next week, number seven Alabama rolls into town. Wait, they were ranked number seven? Number seven Alabama. They were ranked behind Texas A&M at that point. That was, that was when they had Manziel, though, I think. A&M? Yeah. Uh, and they, they, gave, they gave Alabama fits. Alabama, you know what the final score of that game was? Wasn't it like 21-20, something 14-13. like that? 14-13. 14-13. Yeah, was, was that the year that we fumbled? That was, the no, that was the year, no, that was the year we missed the extra point. But we fumbled at the goal line, too. It was the same deal. We yeah, fumbled yeah, yeah, at the yeah, goal yeah. line. It would have been a touchdown. It would have given us the lead on the, early in the game. Yeah. And then we missed the extra point. would have given us the, the tie ball game and sent it to overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point in that season, let's see. One, two, three. We were three and three. So, after six games of the second year of Bielema, we were three and three, and they had played number seven Alabama, number six A&M, and number six Auburn. I always hated um, those the points in, those, in, the, in the season. And it happened like three or four years in a row, uh, maybe longer than that, where the meet, the worst part of the schedule was always Auburn, A&M, and Alabama back to back Mm -hmm. to back. Right. By the time we got out of Alabama, we needed a a bye week. Right. And so we then played number 10, Georgia. We were respectable, lost by 13. We played UAB, another cupcake. I mean, their program went – Bye bye after soon after that. I thought they came back. Well, they're back now. I'm okay. saying they oh, yeah, yeah. They went after that. Yeah. 45 17. So no problems there. We lose to number one Mississippi State 17 to 10. I forgot that was the number one team in the That was a good game. Yeah, it was. We then beat LSU 17 nothing. Ole Miss 30 to nothing before losing to eventual SEC runner up Missouri 21 14. Missouri was the runner up that year? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they got absolutely annihilated, but they were the runner up that, that year. They lost to Missouri forty, or they lost to Alabama forty-two thirteen. Oh so, yeah. So my point is, as bad as Bielema was, as ba- and he he changed from a, a power spread of what Petrino ran, right, to the to the gap year of John L being here, and then he comes in under all that turmoil, goes three and nine, then turns around and wins with seven games, right? 
Yeah, he went seven and seven. Seven and yeah, seven, uh, six and six, two and six in the SEC with a bowl win. With a bowl win. So and I went, think that was the that was Texas, the Texas bowl. game. So that was the bowl. No, it wasn't. Yep, it was. It was. Oh yeah, it was because yeah. next year we went to the Liberty Bowl. Right. So my point it was is, cold. In, in making a <sighs> it was brutal. So so making a roundabout way to get to my point here is there is hope for this year. A new influx of blood, a new a new culture, a new feel in the program. You, again, much like they did here. Because mm-hmm. what was the roster? Let's see. Personally. Well, and you know, here's the thing. Watching, uh, by the way, hashtag William. Um, here's the thing. Um, I want to do a quick breakdown because now we're... Remember how we did episode one? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Where we did a pre-camp and a post-camp prediction on the season. Mm-hmm. I want to change mine a little bit. I want to tweak mine. Well, that's the post-camp. Yeah. Now we're in post camp. We haven't hit the first game yet. We're a couple days out. We're now in post camp. I want to break. I want to go through the schedule a little bit. Okay. All right. We'll do that next. Um, what else you got? No, oh, you're good. I'm good. We can bring it. We can, we can come back with it. Okay. Uh, but like I said, I mean, there's a lot of different. Um, there's just there's 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 a lot of factors going into this season. And again, we're not going to know anything until we come out of Ole Miss. Everybody's like, well, we'll know more during Portland state. Not really. We'll know some, I mean, it, it, we'll get a good, we'll get a good read on what this team can do to some extent. Again, if this team goes out there and wins 30 to 20, 30 to 21, something like that, then I've that got is a lot of concern. Crazy. I got a lot of concern. Yeah. So, I mean, if this is a close game, then, then I think we learn a lot now. Mm-hmm. Now it may, it may change, Going down the road, as we get further in the season, and this team starts to gel, the youth starts to grow, things happen. That's my excitement, though. You look at what Bielema did, as bad as things went. Now, he had his full complement of staff that really did a lot of things then. And so, when you look at what he did in year two, that's pretty, pretty impressive. I don't see why Chad Morris can't do the same thing. He had to do a complete overhaul, complete system change, and he had a better recruiting class. I'll look at that number when we get back, but... I think he had a much better recruiting. Well, he did. We know he did. I mean, he just came off the best class in school history. So, so I mean, to think that Morris can't go out there and win five or six games, again, we're talking about Bielema. He got two SEC wins in year two. Why are we holding Chad Morris to a different standard if we want better out of this program? I can answer that one. We'll answer that one when, I, when we get back on Inside the Natural State. We the people. Stand tall, equal, and free. In pursuit of happiness. And premium American spring water. Mineral-rich, revitalizing goodness. With a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity. And 7.8 pH. Bottled in glass. To oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of. We. 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 The people. The Mountain Valley spring water. Back to the source. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Zach and Steve here with you. Oh, where, where, where were we so talking We about? were somewhere about numbers and, and the differences uh, between year one and year two. So I went back and I looked at a few things, like yeah. just recruiting standpoint, um, and just to see kind of what was the difference in the first two years between, you know, when Bielema got here. I didn't, I didn't want to go back too far, plus there's just not a lot of stuff back. But So you go back to 2013. So what 2012 was the John L. disaster, 2013 was Bielema's first full season. So that first year, he actually recruited fairly well. In 2013, um, his first true recruiting class 
we were 23rd in the country. So um, that was the class that his top recruit was the number 40 player in the country, uh, Alex Collins. I was going to say, who, that, was, that had to have been AC or somebody. Yeah, so offense. Alex Collins, Hunter Henry, Denver Kirkland, Austin Allen, Reed Kohler. Uh, I mean, how many of these guys? Reed Kohler didn't stay. These guys actually stayed. So anyway, I mean, not a bad class. And then they went, what? What was their record in 2013? His that, first season. That was his second year, right? No, uh, his first, his first season. season was 3 and 9, 0 oh and 8. So three that was Bielema, right? Yeah. So yeah. Bielema's first year. So then in 2014, when he made the big jump, so in 14, the year they beat Texas, um, he was, that class was ranked 29th. And they made the run that they made. So finished seven and six with the bowl win. So yeah, that was that Texas bowl. Yeah, so really his recruiting went down a little bit. His best recruit that year was Bijan Jackson, who was eighty first in the nation. Uh, Brian Wallace, who really didn't do a lot. When he did there. he recruit Sosa again? That would have been. I'll have, I mean, I can here's, find here's, him. He, well, this is he, his. Here's my point on Sosa. Year, right? Yeah, here's my here's my thing on Sosa. He's not been that breakout player we all thought he was going to be. And I think there's a couple of different reasons. And, I, and I mean, obviously, if he's going to do it, it's going to be this year. I mean, this is his last shot. I really think he's going to – I think he's going to have a standout year this I, year. I think uh, – number one, I don't think people give Sosa as much credit as, he's, as he deserves. Why do you think that? Well, because I think Sosa has dealt with a lot on that line. It, number one, position changes. So, he's had to learn multiple well, positions he, hadn't every time. He, didn't he jump back between offensive and defensive line? No, but he's jumped between defensive tackle, defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive end. They've not really been able to figure, figure out where he fits. Um, Until this year. Well, and even last year they couldn't figure it out. But they, they have the, – the problem is they didn't have the personnel to put around him, so he was the best defensive tackle and the best defensive end. It didn't matter. And, and when you have a guy that's that good, he's going to see double and triple teams because that's the guy everybody has to block. That's the guy on the defense no one had – no one had – you know, you didn't want him to what beat does our, you. What does our D-line look like this year? I don't, I don't remember. I don't even remember who any of our D-linemen are. Well, you know, and I, you know, I heard something earlier today too just listening to a little bit of radio. It's actually interesting. I think – that's another reason why we see so much craziness going on within Razorback Twitter, I mean, 2 and 10, everything else. Who are these guys? I mean, honestly, who, well, who I is mean, this you, team? You, you, I mean, of course, you've got the, 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 the Henry boys. you got Grant Morgan. We all know who his brother is. Um, yeah, but, I mean, in general, most of the guys – okay, I'll just, I'll just read through this. I'll just, just the starters. I'm not even going to go too deep. Just starters. Okay. On the offensive side, Ben Hicks, Rakeem Boyd. Right. Okay. That surprised me. So, so, Ben Hicks, a guy that we know nothing about. Honestly, know nothing about. Rakeem Boyd, we know minimal about, just because, I mean, what we got from him last year. Um, Mike Woods, sophomore wide receiver. The guy that no one's talking about in the offseason. That's, that's kind of buried behind everybody. Who's that, Mike Woods? Mike Woods. He, he's, a star, he's one of your starters at, at wide receiver. And then Traylon Burks and Trey Knox are your other two. So, there's two more new names. C.J. O'Grady is a household name. Most people know who that is. Colton Jackson's been around a while. Austin Caps is a guy that got transitioned to the offensive line last year. So, I mean, a lot like Froholt, he was thrown into a position and said, here, learn it. I mean, the biggest thing about Sosa is the fact that he's he, – and I agree with you, he's moving around. Yeah. But I really think that he's going to be a standout. But, I, again, keep going through that, that depth chart. Which, oh, yeah, 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 hang on. That's where we were. Let me pull that back up. I switched on you. Hang on. So, okay. So, now we get to the offensive line. Austin Caps with a guy from last year who we don't know a whole lot about. Um, then you got Ty Cleary at center. So, uh, again. He should be real improved. He was playing with he should big-time be. problems last year. My, and that's the, but, see, that's the thing that nobody understood about Cleary last year 
Dude was throwing up on the sideline about every other play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this team wasn't very – and I think I heard that too, that, you know, last year basically in the heat when they wanted them to practice and go hard, the players were like, meh, nope, ain't happening. You know, <laughs> these guys are really wanting to work. So, I mean, Myron Cunningham's your starting right guard, a brand-new name. Uh, Dalton Wagner's your starting right tackle. Now, now, you go to the defensive side of the ball, and you got Gabe Richardson. I mean, he seems like he's been on campus for like 20 years. but Gabe Richardson? Yeah, Gabe's your, Gabe's your, your starting one of your DNs. Okay. TJ Smith's inside. He's going to be poised to have a good year, too. And Aguim's inside. So, finally, you have two what you would assume would be pretty good studs on the inside. Behind them is Jonathan Marshall and Isaiah Nichols. And then at the end is Dorian Gerald. He'll, so, he's he's poised to have a good one, too. Gerald obviously was highly, highly sought after last year. He got here really late. He got here really out of shape. And it took him a long time to acclimate to what this program needed. And he didn't play a lot last year, and that's why. This is his year. This is the I year think, to prove that I he's, think he breaks out. He should. He, he has all the talent in the world. And then – so then you go to the linebacker, bumper pull. We all know bumper, Dijon, and then Hayden Henry. You're, you're, Pretty good linebacker core. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little worried there at Sam, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, and then your defensive backs, Cam Curl, another guy who's been bounced around. He's going to step hasn't up seen this his year. Potential. So, I mean, <clears throat> and then Joe Fusha, who I'm all kinds of excited about. I think he's going to hurt some people this year. Jarquez uh, McClellan, <clears throat> he really proved his worth last year as a corner. And then you got Busta Brown, who really hadn't put made a big impact since he got here from Ashdown. And now here he comes walking in. He, he looked good late last year and has uh, drawn rave reviews in, uh, in camp. So, so I, my point is, is that when you think about overall, the fan base, okay, so we have, we have a program that's being very secretive when it comes to what's going on in practice. We right. don't get to hear much about that. We get just what's, what's spit out to us by the coaches. Um, and then we have a whole lot of new players. And we're coming off a two and ten season, so there's a lot of uncertainty. So there's a whole lot of unknowns within the program, which is more, more than anything. I think that's what's driving people nuts. Right. Well, we even talked about last week the fact that you know we don't want. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know about you. I don't want to know the ins and outs of everything that's going on. Right. I wouldn't either. Show I mean, me. Show me. Show me. I want to see it on Saturday. Yeah. Well, and that's what we're going to find out on this Saturday. We're you know, find out a lot. But yeah. I want to see, okay, this is what they've been saying throughout the week. This is what they've been saying through spring ball, summer workouts, fall, fall camp. Let me see what you've – let me see culminate on a Saturday afternoon. But could you imagine what the storyline would be had practice been open all this time and people been able to watch everything? You'd still have people complaining and moaning about who's the starting quarterback. Well, even and, – and, you know, you touched on it earlier. Even if we go 12-0, and 0, which – is a stretch of the imagination, <laughs> yeah. but if we could go twelve and zero, upset Alabama, upset Clemson, upset whoever, and people will still find things to complain about. They will. I mean, and, and in reality, <laughs> there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of folks out there right now who are complaining because they just don't like the Chad Morris hire. They're finding any. They want to find any reason they can to. Why? I don't know because they wanted. I mean, someone else. Well, okay. <laughs> I think Had, some people think that we deserve better. That we're entitled to the best coach in America. You're not going to get him. Whoever, and but again, not again, in the state that the program was no, been in over the last no. few years. No one wants to come over and take. No, no, no high level coach is going to want to come take that over. Well, right? Saban took over for uh, Shula. Yeah, but again, that's a different story. You're talking about tradition. We've had this conversation. It's Alabama. You know, True. you can build on Alabama. True. What's ever been built at Arkansas on the football side? A mediocrity. Bike and a blonde. Mediocrity. 
I thought those were two B's that I didn't think you were going with. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy boy. So, so, I mean, I guess when you look at the, the year by year and the improvement. But, I mean, look at, look at Arkansas, as a, uh, look at Arkansas as, a pro, as a whole program since they joined the SEC. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've gotten to the big game. We've never once been able to finish. Right. We've contended. We've rattled cages. We've gotten all. We we were the the, <laughs> and of course I've got fans who are Georgia, I've got friends who are Georgia fans. So uh, they're I'm I'm probably going to catch some uh, crazy tweets after this. We were the in in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. We were the Georgia of the SEC. We would always choke when it matters. Yeah. Okay. We'd always get to the SEC title game and then get stomped or have it stolen from us. I'd be happy with that now, though. <laughs> like, I mean, I know once you get there and you get excited about it and you want to go further, fine. But God, I'd be happy with getting curb stomped in the SEC title game. Every I year. would. <laughs> I would just like and let. My thing is, let's start with a with a division title first. Yep. Let's do that. Start small. Might might be a little difficult. That's, that's get it really a, small. My it's thing. Small my, well, in the grand well, scheme of things, but we got to beat the in, in the in, in, in the grand scheme of things right now. Right. And the way the the, the the program is right now. Give me an SEC win first. Well, Give me a quality SEC win first. And again, that brings me to my point of what but is what's a quality SEC win? Is it I don't give a damn any SEC win. I was going to say SEC win right now. What, what where is, we are right now. What is a quality that's not a quality SEC win. What qualifies? And this is a lot of quiz, but what qualifies as an SEC win? I mean to me anything. as a, as a as a quality SEC win. You look at our SEC schedule this year. That, that what many would look at as the two, I guess, easiest, worst, whatever, however you want to put it, the two easiest SEC mm-hmm. games are on the road. So at the end of the day, even though they're easier, easier, quote unquote, I'm using, I'm using air quotes over here, but the reason well, I want to, I want to go through, I want to go through the 12 games yeah, and do a post camp prediction. prediction. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I Cause we that. had it. We had it pre-camp. Right. Now we know the starter. Now we know the depth chart. Now we know what we're working with. Yeah, I think so, and I don't know that mine will be much different than mine. Mine's going to be we'll a see. little bit different. Mine's we'll gonna, we're going to do a little bit of a minor breakdown. Yeah. Um, Portland State coming up this Saturday, right? Win? Yeah, that's a win. Easy win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, give me, give me, any. give me, give me your score prediction, and then give me one outrageous prediction. And if you tell me Hicks throws for over three hundred yards, you are crazy. Okay. So score prediction. Yep. 59. And I'm going to write this down and go over it next week. 59 24 Hogs. You really think they're going to score 24? I do. I think that. I, so, their little quarterback that they got, he, he's not Mason Fine from North Texas, but he's been compared to Mason Fine oh, from North I Texas. Hate that quarterback. In terms of he, he does a lot with his feet. Um, they're going to force Arkansas to have really good eye discipline in the defensive backfield. All right. Um, there's some youth and some concerns at linebacker. Um, I think they'll expose us some. I, I'm, I, and I think that's to be expected in the first week. So, yeah, I, I think I think early we should be able to handle them. I think late you get some second, third team guys in there. They're probably going to score, you know, seven, ten points. I, I, I can see this game being, you know, 50 to 14, 50 to 10 type game going into the fourth quarter. So, uh, 50, You're making my score look bad. 59-24 I think is where I'm going to go. Okay. I've got sixty three ten. I mean, I could see that too. I just and their their ten points are real easy up front, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, but see, here's the way you got to look at it. 
we're going into this game and we hope to just be the SEC team that runs all over them. They're, I just want to see consistency. I do too, but see, that's the thing. It's from our perspective, we want to see, and, I, and what I really want to see in this game is I want to see us run the football, and I want to see us run the football effectively, consistently, because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If we can't run the football, those quarterbacks are going to die all year. So I want to see us run the ball, and I want to, I would love, I would much rather see, okay, tell you what, you want my bold, crazy, outrageous well, let me prediction? Rakeem Boyd runs for two and a quarter in the first half. Holy cow. Yeah. I don't know what is happening right now, but we are Oops. playing some Scottish bagpipes. That was not supposed to happen. It happened, though. It was fun. I am going to disconnect that. That was, uh, <laughs> I thought I had my phone on silent. So, all good. So, so, Boyd runs for two and a quarter in the first half. The first half. I'm probably, that, that'll probably never happen, but you said bold okay. craziness. So all right. That's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, let's see. What's my bold one? Uh, defense gets three three sacks before the second quarter. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I think that um, – so my point a little bit there, though, was that I think that um, Portland State's going to come out and they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us. Oh, they're going to – but they got – and there was an article on uh, hogbeat.com today. Um, and, yes, I can mention that because we have Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter, at NWA Hutch. Um, unfortunately, though, with week one kicking off, he was not able to be with us this week. Hopefully, we'll get our schedules back next week. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, that they're, they've got, they're coming in, nothing to lose. Right. Well, and they should, as they should. I mean, they're coming in, they're getting paid to basically supposedly lose a game. And so, why not come in and this is their, I mean, this is their Super Bowl national championship, yeah. whatever you want to call it. You know, I mean, but Arkansas has a notoriety of getting knocked off by these small schools. Toledo, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, but I mean, Louisiana Monroe. I mean, Alabama, North, Alabama North, lost to Louisiana Monroe. North you know? Texas. So, I mean, those things happen. I mean, and, and when you're in a bad part of your program, so 63 to 10, I don't think that's out of the, I don't think that's out of the question. My I don't think, problem, I don't think you're going to break 70. If you do more power to you. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I but don't I, think I they'll think, try to do it offensively. Well, I, I mean, to it, get you hit anymore. a, you hit a certain point and I don't think, I don't think, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, I don't think they're going to intentionally run up score, but if they have an opportunity, why not score? Well, and the only way you hit 70 in this game, in my opinion, is if the running game is just unstoppable. Because that's how you do it. You, I yeah. mean, they're going to throw the ball, but you're going to have to run for a couple of hundred garbage time yards in the second half to hit 70. And, 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 and what I mean by that is we're that much more dominant that we hand the ball off, and it's like NCAA 14, you know, on the game when you're playing FCS 1AA, whatever it yeah. was, and you hand the ball off and run 80 yards every time. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's what you're One talking about. One play, 80 yards, gone for yeah. the touchdown. So, All right, so Ole Miss, it's in Oxford. At Vaught Hemingway in the Grove. Okay. Who you got? Boy, dead radio. Good stuff. Well, here's the thing, okay? Here, and, and I'm going to give you – Ole Miss is in a lot of turmoil, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, yeah, Matt Luke's – head coach Matt Luke's got that team on the up and up. Yeah. I just don't think they're, they're – I don't, I don't think they're – I don't think they're, they're, they're the hype – is going to hold. Well, and there's really no hype around that program. They're just not good. They're bottom feeders with um, us right now, according yeah. to the national media. Yeah, I mean, if you look at everything, it's between us and them. So, um, the only the only thing that gives me pause in this game is that it's in Oxford. That's it. Uh, if this game was in Fayetteville, it's a win. I, I think it's. I think we win the game. Um, I'm still going Arkansas. That that. What's your score? Oh man, I've already got mine, and I know I know exactly how this bad boy is going to play out. Boy, I don't. I don't know that. Let me give you mine. I'm going to so see if it'll jog your memory. Okay. 24-21 overtime field goal win. Connor Limpert 
comes through in the clutch and nails a three nails a field goal to win it. Okay, maybe I have a different feel on this game after the Portland State game. But I see this game hey, I I see this as more of like a if it stays in regulation, like 45 to 38, 45, 42. Damn. Really? Neither team has a defense. I don't I, – I, okay, I shouldn't say Arkansas doesn't, doesn't have a defense. With the with the, the defense that we've got? I mean uh, – <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not excited about the defense yet. Let me see what they do when they get on the field. And like I said, I, I just – I don't see us – Ole Miss scores a bunch of points against us all the time anyway. It doesn't matter which defense we run. True. Out. We score a ton of points in that game. If it stays in regulation, I see it being a very high-scoring game. And we'd have, we'd have had that game one had that last – Fourth quarter and interception not happened. Yeah, and, and so and then the guy that they have, so they're I don't remember who they're who they named starting quarterback. Do you know? I have I no idea. Yeah, anyway, so I, he's he's a mobile guy. It's a guy from um, oh I can't, anyway. Hang on, I, I do know he's mobile. Um, I do know that they've got they they've got some talent at quarterback that could give us some fits. Um, they are build you know they're they're in a rebuild mode as well. Um, but I I see that game being extremely high school. Matt Coral. Yeah, there you go, Mac. Now he's a true freshman, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, redshirt freshman. Okay. So and he replaces Jordan Tamam Tamu Tamu. Yeah. All so, these weird quarterback names, right? So Tagovailoa. Everybody's going to Hawaii to get a quarterback, man. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think so. I, I'm at two and zero. I think we win that game, and I think it's an extremely high scoring game. Okay. Uh, let me see. You get this thing pulled up back here. Uh, so of course, Colorado, Colorado State. I'm, a, I'm, I'm. That's a win. I'm, I don't know about a score yet. I, I think. I think I'll give you a score the week it happens. But that'll that'll that's work. A, that's a win. Port, uh, of course, San Jose State. That's, that's a, a that's a win. Yep. Now here's here's the tricky part. A and M. Do we finally break the curse of Jerry's world and beat A and M? No. No. I don't no. either. We don't think. We don't think we I, I think that's a loss. Uh, then you got a bye week. Then you uh, go to Kentucky. Don't have Josh Allen. Don't have Benny Snell. You're lucky to get 20K in that stadium. I'm going to go win. I'm changing my tune a little bit here. What? Don't back out on me now. I, I'm, I'm actually going to pick this as a loss. Not because I know anything about Kentucky. Because I got to be honest, I don't. Okay. <laughs> um, but... I think Chad Morris gets his first conference win against uh, Alabama. So his second conference okay, yeah. win. And so the only reason is I'm against Kentucky. God, I can't get these names right. I'm concerned about the fact that those two games are on the road. Again, if those two games were at home, then, then it's a true road uh, test. I it, mean, it is. And so what better way, but what better way to get an idea of where this team stands? Well, yeah. And I mean, again, you take some freshmen on the road in the SEC and win that first game against Ole Miss, you're going to gain a lot of confidence. Oh, yeah. And that may change my mind on what, but I feel like we're going to split those two games. Go one and one. And I feel like both of them are going to be really close. So, in my opinion, I I want to beat Ole Miss really bad, especially after the way they I don't, treated last year. Yeah, I don't care about Kentucky in general in football. Now, I don't want to lose to them, but I still just feel like that. That's two games. I just I'm I'm fifty fifty on those, and I think we split that because they're on the road. So I'm going to go. I'm going to take Kentucky. Next one is Auburn, and that's at Razorback Stadium. So the Auburn, Gus Bus, the Gus Bus, which may be running on three flats by that point. They, they, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> okay, so right now I'm taking that as a loss. Really? Yeah, I am. 
But I may be changing my tune, and here's the reason: as we get closer, yeah. and we'll, we'll like I yeah. said, we'll jump in depth in these at the, the when we record the week of. Yeah, but right now I'm going with a loss, and, and and mainly just because again I don't know a lot about none of we nobody we don't really know anything about any of these teams, including Arkansas right now. Yeah, I mean we're what but, 72 hours away from kickoff. Yeah, and so Auburn on now Auburn they're going to start a true freshman, and honestly under under Gus. Though that situation goes one of two ways. It, there's no in-between with a Gus Malzahn program at quarterback. It's either you have a very dynamic guy who is extremely special or you have a guy that just can't figure it out. Right. I don't know which guy that is in Bo Nix, but what I do know is that if Bo Nix can't throw off-platform, if, if Bo Nix can't roll out and make the plays that he has to make in that offense, then that offense becomes extremely predictable and the Gus bus goes on four flats and I could see us winning that in our stadium. But right now, I, I still say no, and mainly because Auburn's defense is going to be stupid good. We're going to jump into the final five games of the season and what might be the most interesting five games, minus one, uh, <laughs> for the season. Inside the Natural State, back right after this. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's show. Oh, Steve. They only have to listen to us for a few more minutes and then it's game. They really don't, but I mean at this point, I mean, Will's gonna Will's gonna get this audio and and he's gonna lose <laughs> his mind. Right. That's that's what we pay him the big bucks for, right? You're right. Yeah. Wait, oh. hold up. We pay him? I thought we did. He makes me give me money every week. Oh, oh that's for something different. Never whoa, whoa, oh, whoa. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Okay, so we're going to finish up these final five games. You got Alabama loss. and Tuscaloosa. Loss. That's an automatic loss. Loss. Do you think we'll ever beat Alabama again? Yes. Nick Saban dies. Oh, well, hi, Katie. No, I don't think we need Nick Saban to die. For those That's of you that nice. are wondering, Katie, my illustrious other half, just walked in. When Nick Saban goes to Texas. You shut your face. <laughs> if that ever that happens. That is never going to happen. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> He'll stroke out at Alabama before he goes to Texas. Yeah, this is true. Why wouldn't you want him? You're a Texas fan, you weirdo. Mississippi State. Okay. So, that's a little intense. This is where I changed my mind from the last time, I think. What did you have last time? I had a 6 and 6, I think. Yeah, you had But a... I just had it in a different way. Yeah. So, cuz what am I at? 4 and 3 right now? Uh, I don't know. You're not keeping count. I'm keeping count for me. Oh, I'll keep count for myself. I'll go back in a minute. So, I'm already at 5 and 3. Okay. So, Mississippi State at home. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that, that uh, Joe Moorhead's really going to be the real deal there. So, well, anytime, okay, so the way that I look at it is, is it's a if, if if we win, especially in the SEC, 7 to 10 points. Yeah. With the, with the except with the exception of maybe Kentucky and Missouri. Right. So, I'm going to go win. I think we beat Mississippi State. I think we're rolling at the end of the year. So I'll go win as well. And I don't think Mississippi State is going to be a very good and that, football team. That will put us at the six-win mark if, if my record holds true. What do I got then? So I've got one, two, three, four, four and three. Wait, how do I have four and four? So that gets me to five and four. How am I at six and three already? Hold on a minute. I don't know. Who did I have? Oh, I have us beating. Hold on. Let me go back here for a minute. Portland, Ole Miss, 
that's a win. Colorado, that's a win. As Katie would say, San Jacinto. San Jacinto. That's a win. A&M, that's a loss. Kentucky, that's a win. Uh, Auburn, that's a loss. Alabama's a loss. Mississippi, okay. I don't know how I have us at eight. At uh, Somebody drinking the good Kool-Aid. I, I don't know how that I ended up doing that, but that's, there you go. That's the good Kool-Aid. Um, Western Kentucky. Win. Okay. LSU. I've got a loss. Yeah, that's a loss. Okay. And Missouri. Okay. So I thought I had this schedule laid out like perfectly to where I was just picking this to be the sixth win, go to bowl game, tell Kelly Bryant to go screw himself and Jonathan Nance at the same time. Um, I've got us at eight and four. How did I manage that? <laughs> where in the world did I go? What in the? Oh, uh, so we're going to lead this podcast off with your prediction number. Cause okay, well, wait a minute. I've got, I've got A&M, Auburn, Alabama, and LSU as a loss. Okay. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no way we make an eight and four jump. We're not making an eight and four jump, but hey, what am I? What did, did you spike my Dr Pepper I when I wasn't looking doing over there? So, because I'm at six and five without picking the Missouri game yet. Yeah, so I'm thinking seven and five. But where the what, dude? You messed up my Dr Pepper. Or Katie did when she walked in she the door. Something in that sucker. So Missouri, where where are we at on Missouri? Because I'm. <sighs> I want to beat those meth heads. Well, I mean, the Missouri okay. fan base. Let me so ask bad. you this: Do you think Kelly Bryant's all he's met, all he's made up to be? No. You think Jonathan Nance is an SEC receiver, a true SEC receiver? I think he's got the potential. I mean, he looked good here. What in else? A really what bad else? offense. Yeah. So, but I mean, what else does Missouri have? I don't know. That's that's my point. I don't know. Now, I, I'm 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 gonna go a win. I think we're rolling. I think we're at the right spot. So I'm going to go win too. I still don't know how I pulled off eight and four. I don't even. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Except I don't know how I got seven and five, but so I gained a win. From I gained two wins. Apparently the beginning of the season, the beginning of practice. And I still don't know anything more from now than I did at the beginning. I don't know. I was, somehow I'm at seven and five. I was at five and seven, six and six. And now I'm at eight and four. What? Oh, okay. So let's be real because people are listening to this right now. They've either run off the road, jumped into the water or, or they're laughing their ass off. Like, at us. Never, they might listen more like just to make fun of us on every mm-hmm. loss. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm self-deprecating all day long. <laughs> I don't really care. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, these numbers we're talking about, yeah. those would be massive wins for this football They team. would. Seven, but, eight wins. But I mean, those are those quality SEC wins. Yes. Well, again, any. But those are the big, the, the four losses, though, are the hurdles, are the rivals. Well, no, because I think here's. here's I do think, I do think we're going to be 4-0 going into A&M. I do, too. Here, here's the thing about those the, the four losses you're talking about in conference because I mean that record we just pulled up like that's three and five for me and what four and four for you in yeah conference. four and four so but those four losses are more for that that like that's kind of like hey we know we kind of made it you know like yeah hey we're beating Alabama we're beating A and M we're beating some of these other squads I mean now we that's when we know we're actually probably pretty good um, do I think that it's that a little point. early to be sipping the eight and four juice yes. yeah I and think, and again I think you're crazy again I don't. I don't know how I ended up at eight and four. I was 
here's the thing. If you're a realistic hog fan and you're looking at the schedule right now, there's no way you can call 9, 10, 11, 12 wins. Oh, God, You no. just can't. If you, if, no. you, if you can, you're, you're crazy. No, there's no way There's no way we break a double-digit win. But realistically, here's the reason you're at eight wins, because there is a pathway to eight wins for this team. There this is. There is a pathway. It would take a lot of luck. It would take a lot of it – w- it would just take a lot of luck. It would. This, this team to get to eight wins. But there's a pathway for it. That's why, to me, four wins is unacceptable. Five wins is your bare minimum, and really six is what the expectation should be. I would – if I was Chad Morris and his coaching staff, do I want to go undefeated? <laughs> Duh. Yeah. That's where all the bonuses and the big money's coming right. from. Realistically, coming off a two and ten season, six wins. Now, am, yeah. I, am I saying be content and look at and go, all I want is six wins? No, you get as many wins as you possibly can. But the bare minimum to keep your seat cold, six. Yeah, I'm, and I've said that from day maybe, one. Maybe, maybe five. I think it's five if you play every other one of those SEC games close. Yeah, maybe you five. I mean? And it's not, and, and with the exception of Alabama, yeah. you keep it close. And, and you can't lose, you can't end the season losing like we did last year no. and getting blown out by Mississippi no. State. And, but again, last year, right. last, and of course, that's another rabbit hole we can go down. But right. last year, by the time Missouri came around, they had let go of the rope. Oh, yeah. Well, by the time Mississippi State came around, they let go of the they rope. They let go of the rope. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you something before we get into the nonsensical part of the podcast. What do you think about the. Battle line rivalry moving to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. I mean, I think it's cool. Like, I'll go. I don't I don't know that it'll last. What and who possessed that to move? Well, okay. So is this okay, th- but does that spell the end of games in Little Rock? No. With them, okay. with them moving that game to Arrowhead, does is does that spell the end of the battle line rivalry in Little Rock? No, I don't think it has anything to do with it because you're not gonna move that game full time to to Arrowhead. There'd be no reason for it. You're, you never know. No, I, I just don't see that. I don't happening. see them filling up that capa- to capacity. Uh, no, and, and I mean, so didn't? Am I wrong? Didn't Missouri? I know Missouri and Kansas played in basketball in a neutral site like that. Um, but did they play in football? When, Surely when, not, because those when Missouri was in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I don't remember if they played. I I feel like this is this that more of the stretch to try to force this into a, a rivalry. By putting it in in an interesting non conference or in, in in interesting neutral site spots, the border um, war. So I, I think it adds a little more interest to it. I think that fans that weren't going to go sit on rocks in Columbia will go to Arrowhead because it's a really nice stadium, um, and honestly, it's a loud as hell stadium. Like. So it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a really cool atmosphere, and I'd totally go. I'll, I'll go, but I don't think it has anything to do with War Memorial because, I mean, we get that game in Little Rock every other year, and I can't imagine that they would make that swap, especially since you're already playing A&M. You're never playing A&M on, on your home campus either. So, I, Well, did you ever expect A&M to pl- be played at a home-and-home? Well, we did, and I think we will go back to it. We did it. when they first, Remember, when they first came in the conference, We those first two years we, we, we swapped – we went home and home with them and then back to Jerry's world. That's right. Um, um, I'm not seeing anything on – oops. And they may not have. I can't, I just – for some reason I, I thought – but I knew the basketball They played a – they had a in, – in 06, um, they had – they started playing it at Arrowhead. Did they play it regularly after that? Yeah. So they played it in 2006, 2007, and then 2008 they renewed it through 2012. Okay. 
And so they and they played it at Arrowhead. Yeah, November 26, 2011, the final border war was played at Arrowhead Stadium as the Missouri Tigers they announced that they would be moving to the SEC. And, they and that's won exactly that game 24-10. Yeah, so and that's exactly why they're doing it. I mean, and you I would love to know what the attendance was for those games because I can't imagine it was very good. <laughs> Which now Kansas may have been um, in that Fat Man Genie stretch there where they were actually halfway good. Let's see. But I don't remember. That that just that yeah. The 2007 edition of the Border War. 80,537. That's impressive. And that was the second largest crowd in stadium history in attendance. That's extremely impressive for that game. But also that was a top five matchup. Okay, so that was when Kansas was kind of rolling. Yeah, that was when Kansas was rolling. So, so, I mean, I'm cool with it. I think it's a neat neat deal. Like, I think you put that game, I think it makes it fun. Now, would I go there every year? No, it'd be, to me... To me, it'd be the same along the same lines as going down to Dallas and going to Jerry's World. I mean, I went once; it was cool. I'm not going again. So I've never been to Jerry's World. I, well, I take that back. I was there once when it was being built. I went when it was being built, and they had the turf outside the stadium, and I got to touch the turf. When I remember big rolls. I have to find the picture. I, I'd have to do a lot of digging through Facebook, but I have pictures from. We got to go down. I, I was actually in journalism school at the time, and we went down and did a. We had to do a. Uh, we did a like a press tour. We had to go like do an actual press tour, right? And then afterwards, it was part of the college journalism awards thing, and we had to actually write a story about uh, about the stadium and all this kind of stuff. And so <clears throat> we got to go in and do a really cool tour of it, which was really neat. And I thought the biggest takeaway I took from that when we were there was we were standing where the standing room only area is, kind of like. You know, the overflow, the, the $12 tickets or whatever they are where you can stand. Talk about the like, mezzanine or whatever yeah. they had, yeah. So we were standing there, and you're looking down into the bowl of the stadium, and yeah. there was an eight. There were 18-wheelers down there, and they literally looked like toy trucks. That, that's how small they look from where you're standing. In, you're inside the stadium, and you look down, and it looks like toy trucks down there. Good night. So, I mean, that was neat. So, I mean, yeah. So I would go to Arrowhead once. Now, I'm not going to go multiple times. It's not something, some annual trip I'm going to make, not for that game. But, sure, I'd go the first time. You know, I mean... And I'd go to a memorial probably every time. But I think it's a neat deal. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. So before we get into the nonsensical part of the podcast. So I'm going to go on a rant. We are moving the recording of our podcast to Wednesday nights for so we can get Hutch back on. And I wanted to pick Hutch's brain this week, just what he thought. But we'll get to that next week. That'd be week. cool next week, though, after the first game. Oh, yeah. So. We'll, we'll have a lot to uh, lot to cover. We're, we're changing our recording time to Wednesday. We may be pushing... Uh, our uh, premiere date to Friday. Nope, sorry, Will. No excuses. Got to have it out Thursday. So, well, uh, Friday to give him a day to mm. cut out all of our shenanigans. It's not like he has any other job. What's he doing? Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Pay him really good money. That's true. Um, Fridays at 7, we are still doing our uh, live show. Me and Katie are going to be live at the Salt Bowl. Ooh. Steve might be joining us. I may join you. Um, that'll be cool to have the three of us on live. We're going to do a little bit of a pre-show, pre-game show prior to the softball. Benton Bryant kicks off the high school football season. Of course, everybody knows about the four high school six or the uh, yeah the four high school games that came on yesterday and today. Yeah. Um, Did you the, hear the stats of that first game yesterday? No, I didn't. What? So it, I think they said it, it might have been the first time in history. I don't remember who. I can't remember who it was it played. But anyway, first game of the kickoff yesterday. It was Dollarway and McClellan. There you go. That game went three, four hours. 
Um, what did it do? Go into overtime? No. Final score was like 18 to 13. Holy cow. There were more penalty yards. Couldn't be more than Miami, Florida. There were more penalty yards than total offensive yards from both teams combined. <laughs> You're kidding me, right? 325 combined penalty <laughs> yards. Wow. By the way, this is a PSA. If you listen to this podcast and you are into sports in any way and you have any interest in being an official, go to the Arkansas Activities Association and sign up. We have a massive, massive shortage in officials in the state of Arkansas. Do we? We do. It's bad, and it's it doesn't take much to become an official, which is kind of scary. Obviously. But, oh, and, and by the way. If you are also listening to this podcast and are interested in joining our team, shoot us a message on Facebook, Natural State Sports, or shoot me an email, Zach at uh, naturalstatesports.com. Absolutely. I think that may be the website. Somewhere in there. So, so I mean, yeah. So, go to the if you're interested in it, go to the AAA website. There's some links in there where you can get signed up. All right. It would be hugely beneficial. I was here. I heard today they were talking on one of the radio shows that there are, there are high schools in the state right now that are talking about moving games to Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday just so they can get officials to come to the games. Wow. Yeah, so we, we have a major problem. It doesn't pay a lot, but, hey, if you like football. You, you like, like football, you hey, go for field, it, man. I mean, go jump at it. Got to so, be able to run, though. I don't. Have you seen some of those officials? True. I mean, you'd be a back judge and just kind of backpedal for a minute, and you'd be all right. True. I mean, I've seen some of those guys. And, True. You know, going up, all right, yeah. so going into uh, our Friday show next week, well, there is no uh, Facebook Live this week because uh, we're going to be – Live from the Salt Bowl. But next week, if all goes well, Steve, we're going to be taking phone calls on the live show. It's that Friday night. Oh, man. Now, we're not going to spend three hours taking phone calls. It's only going to be a 90-minute show. That's good. Uh, And we'll be taking phone calls throughout. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. Our show is expanded. And uh, we'll we'll see what Katie can do. Yeah. But uh, moving on to the nonsensical part of the podcast, Dadgum Adam Schefter. Yeah, so last week I, I threw a, a, a just a Razorback supposed fan under the bus. Now we're throwing national media under the bus. But I'm going to throw, and he doesn't care because he doesn't know me, and, and, and maybe someone has a different... Well, and here's the thing. Here's the difference about college and pros. I think we hold... I think we can hold professional media, NFL reporters... Professional media. Well, <laughs> NFL reporters, NFL players, because they're getting paid to play. Right. Okay. And if you're going to make $80 million and you miss a pass, and yeah, I'm going to sit here and criticize you. I'm going to call you out. Yeah. So that's exactly what you were doing before uh, before the show. So I'm, I'm going to turn my mic off and <laughs> so, let you have it. So here's my issue, though. So here's here's Adam Schefter who comes out, and, and he's the big name for ESPN, right? All right. Somebody gets hurt. Guy gets hurt and, uh, and needs and, and has an issue, and we're trying to figure out what that issue is. And you want to break that story. You want to be the first to throw that story out. You want to be the first to break a scheduling story. Fine. But who in the hell does Adam Schefter think he is that he can break the retirement story of Andrew Luck? So anybody that watched this had to have been disgusted by what they saw. I'm sorry. Number one, Colts fans, you're shit. Sorry, Will. But Colts fans, you suck. You're going to boo your franchise quarterback because he made the decision to walk away from the sport because of his health, because of how he feels. There's something wrong with that. But further, even more, the bigger issue that I have with this is that, so 
My understanding is Andrew Luck had planned a press conference for Sunday to announce his retirement. For whatever reason, whether you agree with it or not, I don't think anyone has the right to disagree with it, whether or not Andrew Luck should, should, should have retired or not. That's, that's totally up to him. But for Adam Schefter to then, in the middle of a football game, the middle of a game that Andrew Luck is standing on the sideline to get word. Now, if the Colts are the ones that threw this this information to Schefter, fine, whatever. I don't think they were. Well, somebody had to have fed him. He, he got the info somewhere. But it doesn't matter. Our media needs, number one, they, they, need, they, they need to treat people a little better. Um, and they need to think before they put stuff out there. Why in the world could that have not waited a little bit longer? And number two, why can you not give Andrew Luck his moment? Andrew Luck is retiring from the NFL early. That's not a story that you scoop. That's not a story that you throw out. That's not something you just put did out they, there. Did they throw this big of a hissy fit when Peyton Manning left? Well, but Peyton had his issues. I mean, and, and but so okay. And Peyton had been around a long time too. Peyton didn't retire in the prime of his career, whereas. Whereas Andrew, think Luck, about how many concussions this dude's taken, though. No, I'm not disagreeing at all. I mean, you 100 behind ask, him. You you don't know what to talk about that. Ask Troy Eggman. Okay, dude doesn't remember half of his football career. Yeah, well, in a different different era too. But I I no, I'm with you. Like my, I have I don't have any problem with what Andrew Luck did. I'm who am I to sit here and tell, who am I to sit here and tell Andrew Luck that he that he's got to keep playing for my entertainment? You know, I mean. I'm not that worried about it. Even if the Colts were my favorite team and Andrew Luck decided to walk away, sure, it would suck because that's your franchise. I mean, your franchise. Well, I'm right. dealing with that right now with uh, Jack Prescott and yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, but he ain't retiring, I don't think. No. But, I mean, again. He's wanting $40 million for. Yeah. But, uh, hey, you know what? Entertainment, that's the entertainment industry. They that that's a market whatever they should be paid I don't care I'm not paying it I mean I am I guess if I go to the games but at that's the end a of the whole day, different ra- yeah. different rabbit so, hole so I mean so am I get so here's my point Adam Schefter I think did Andrew Luck extremely dirty in this scenario oh, I hand, think, I agree with you I hands think down when you see the reactions the way things happened in the stands the way things went down um, the fact that Andrew Luck is caught on the sidelines having to tell Jacoby Brissett in his ear Hey man I'm retiring because some jack wagon decided to come out and 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 bust his story out to the public instead of letting him do it. So if Adam Schefter wanted to retire tomorrow, who's their backup anyway? Jacoby Brissett. Okay. They brought Jacoby in from uh, he was with New England there for a bit. New oh, England drafted right. him and he went to New England and he's he he's I mean he's serviceable. He's, I don't know that he's a franchise guy. So anyway, Adam Schefter even though you'll never probably hear this and you don't know who I am, I find you to be the dirty piece of crap of Twitter of the week. The ridiculousness of the Twitter. It's not Razorback Twitter, but um, hey, hey I'm, I, I just, I thought what he did was real dirty. Well, I can, I can agree to a point. I mean, yeah. Cause wasn't he supposed to go out on like Sunday and do a press conference? Yeah, He had a, he had a press conference scheduled for Sunday to go out and announce it. And then what? I mean, He's and and see Schefter's not not reporting on Antonio Brown, yeah, okay, right? Because <laughs> he don't have any inside scoops apparently. No, but oh, that's a whole other thing. Have you seen how that thing's worked out? Huh. Oh, how he got a, a, a endorsement? Yeah, Av he's, he's he's brilliant. I don't care. Y'all can hate him. He's he knew a, what he was doing from the get go. He's, he's gonna win my fantasy league for me this year. That's all I know. I quit playing fantasy long uh, time ago. You may have to restart just for fun. Well. <laughs> We on should our, do a pick'em contest on our bye week on October uh, the the week of October fifth. Yep, 
when we do our podcast, we don't have a game. Teach me. Let me learn some fantasy football because I know. Then I'll be like losing every league. So I, I will be, be. I know because I know jack crap about it. Mm-hmm. I fantasy football. I got beat three uh, with a three and twelve record. So it's a lot of fun. Once <clears throat> once you get into it and you figure it out, it's a lot of fun. But then again, I tried to draft all Razorbacks and Cowboys. That's but what you get. That's, that's, that's what, what I get. All right. So that's gonna do it for this week. Well, this time next week we'll either. Have a lot to talk about. Well, we're going to have a lot to talk about one way or the other. Yeah, we'll have a we'll lot to talk about one way or another. Steve, it's always fun, man. All right. Until next week. All right. You've been listening to Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. Woo pig. Woo pig.